Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Today, Pastor Noe was set to start a new series called There's Still Time. And that's good news because you possess the entirety of your future life to embrace Jesus. In fact, it probably feels like you have all the time in the world ahead of you. You have time to course correct, change direction, discover your own path. But the paradox of this good news that there's still time, is that you don't know what the road ahead holds, and you must embrace Jesus before the road runs out. Pastor Noe is setting out to lead us onto the road of relationship with Jesus, so I want to thank you for making it a priority to join us these next few Sundays, giving special attention to where you're at on the road of your relationship, inviting those who may be trying to on-ramp onto the highway, and encouraging those who are riding the feeders. Now, before I get into the actual message, I have to share about what happens when your husband realizes on a Saturday afternoon that he just really isn't going to be able to preach the next morning because he's still that sick. So if you're me and you love the church, which I am and I do, then you're willing to do whatever it takes to see that ministry continues for the weekend service that's coming in less than 24 hours, even if it means doing something that you don't normally do preaching. (laughs) So I want you to rewind with me to about 18 hours ago when I was reading for the very first time through Pastor Noe's sermon that he had prepared for us all this morning. In order to make it mine, I knew I was going to have to make some changes. I needed to rework some of his points, and I knew without a doubt that his sermon illustration, which would have been great, and I'm sure that he'll share it with you another time, was not going to come across the same if I shared it. So I I proceeded to visit the internet and I went to my new friend, ChatGPT, which for those of you who haven't heard is a really cool artificial intelligence language model. Um, it's basically like a self-learning robot and um, I've used it from time to time just for fun because it's cool. Uh, and it's helped me cut through some tasks uh, like translating a social media post into Gen Z lingo uh, because I don't speak Gen Z, I'm a millennial. And writing a customized poem for my mom for Mother's Day but he didn't do a very good job on that and she never got that because it just wasn't good. But anyways, I asked my AI friend, ChatGPT, to provide me with an example from a movie, show, book, or real life that illustrated the necessity of making a choice before time runs out. And Pastor Noe's example had illustrated how hesitation in decision-making was a mistake. So I told it that too. And basically I was like, hey, be a research assistant, look at all the publicly available sermon illustration books online and go through their topical index and find me the very best illustration for this message and I didn't have to do any of the work. So great, I'm liking that. It gave me a great example from the cartoon movie Cars, but it didn't really make the points that I wanted it to, so I proceeded to the next step, which was refining the results. I asked it for a different offering and it wrote back to me, I'm going to quote it to you. Certainly, here's a real life example involving a driver's decision and hesitation. It continued on with an amazing story, which you're about to hear, about one of the most dramatic moments in Formula One racing history. 
Thank you, artificially intelligent friend. By 10.30 last night, I'd finalized the sermon, the slides, the final set of notes for myself, and I'd run through it. 15 minutes. Perfect. The children's ministers are not going to be too happy whenever their time back there gets cut short with the kids. Oh, well. God's going to help me. I've done my best. The very last and final thing to do was a fact check on my sermon illustration because, you know, the internet helped me find it. So one of the biggest things in using AI ethically, if you decide to go make a new friend with ChatGPT when you go home today, it's free, is to not share personal information and always, always check what it's telling you because it's teaching itself. So, you know, like probably get some things wrong. Lo and behold, I couldn't find a single record of this racing story anywhere online. There were bits and pieces that included real people, real races, but I couldn't find a news article or even a Wikipedia reference to this specific race I wanted to tell you about this morning. So I went back to my friend ChatGPT and I say, can you cite sources for the story you gave me about the 2009 Brazilian Grand Prix? And my friend responds, I apologize for any confusion. The specific incident I described did not happen. <laughs> I kept refining my request, hoping for something similar that was real to come up because it's 1030 and I don't have a sermon illustration. But it eventually just said, since I couldn't think of a good example from a movie, I just decided to make up the story that sounded like it could be real. Quoting again, I'm so sorry for providing inaccurate information. Well, <laughs> that's where we're going to start our message today with what I'm going to call a parable. <laughs> so I do sincerely hope you can indulge my sermon illustration, even though it's not true. It's going to point to some facts, but we will only be relying on the word of God as we do every Sunday to teach the truth that is actually going to be preached today in this morning's message. So let's go. In the 2009 Formula One season, there was a crucial moment at the Brazilian Grand Prix that illustrates the consequences of hesitation. Felipe Massa, that's a real person, was driving for Ferrari. He really did. And he was in contention for the world championship title. During the race, heavy rain began to fall, creating treacherous conditions on the track. The decision to switch to wet weather tires or stay out on slick tires became critical. Massa hesitated for a moment in the pits, uncertain about which tire choice to make. In that split second of hesitation, his rival, Lewis Hamilton, driving for McLaren, made a decisive move to pit for wet tires. Massa did end up changing tires, but he lost precious seconds making the decision. Hamilton's timely tire change allowed him to secure the necessary points to win the championship by a single point, making it one of the most dramatic moments in Formula One history. Can you believe it? When the stakes are high, your decisiveness or hesitation can have significant consequences. You have to make a decision before time runs out. One thing that you are never going to get back is time on the clock. There are many different things in life that you're going to get a second chance for, but choosing to ride on the road of relationship with Jesus, putting your faith in him is one decision that you have to make before the time is up. I said before that we don't know where the road, when the road ends. 
But when we're on the road of relationship with Jesus, we do know our destination. And the destination isn't based on your speed. It's based on whose team you're on. And yes, there are actually teams in car racing. All the racers on a team use the same workers and resources, hello, Holy Spirit, even though they're still competing in their own race. God loved us so much that he invited us to be part of his team. We get to be part of that team because he chose us. And the good news gets better. The race is rigged. Being part of his team, we know we're gonna win. So how do you become part of his team? So glad you asked. We're gonna look at some scripture now. <laughs> the Bible clearly shares God's heart for us. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses three through six, it says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. John three, verses 16 and 17 say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. When we know and experience the amount of love shown towards us by God's act of love for us, why would we not want to know him? If he's choosing me today, why would I reject him and choose my own path? Understand this today. God's team wins, but you have to be on his team. So Jesus invited you to his team. And now I need you to track with me because we're gonna change metaphors. <laughs> we are gonna look at our core scripture for this morning's message. And it's in Revelations chapter three, starting in verse 20. If you have your Bibles and you wanna pull them out, you'll have a moment to get there. We'll have it up on the screen as well. This scripture represents Jesus's desire for a personal, intimate relationship with believers. We're gonna see him portrayed as standing at the door of one's heart, gently knocking, waiting to be invited in. We're gonna see the importance of your personal choice emphasized here. The passage was written to the Laodicean church specifically. It reflected their spiritual condition at the time. It was a call for repentance and renewal for them. But it has ongoing spiritual relevance today for us because it has a timeless invitation for us to open our hearts to Jesus and maintain a personal relationship with him. So let's read the word. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So Jesus is standing at your door on your porch and he's knocking. He is personally present with you. In fact, God was so concerned about you that he made sure that you were here today to hear this message. Think about this concept. Jesus is at my door. You may even close your eyes and imagine it. Think about the most popular person alive that you can think of and imagine them standing at the front door of your home. Is it a celebrity, a sports star, 
a president, or maybe it's Jesus. He's standing as a well-known person of good repute. He hasn't come as a thief like the devil does, just going around trying to get in your house anywhere he can, coming to steal, kill, and destroy from you. No, Jesus has brought you good things. Now the door represents the pathway to your heart. Hebrews 3.15 encourages us, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. What is blocking you from opening that door? What's standing between you and the Lord? What has hardened your heart? Is it anger towards God? Is it a lack of faith? Is it a problem with all your questions not being answered? Maybe it's just that you don't recognize that it's Jesus who's at the door. If you never open the door of your heart, you can't get to the relational side of our scripture in Revelations. Jesus eating with you and you eating with him. Jesus could kick the door down and get it open, but this is a door that he insists you have to choose to open for yourself. I wish the praying parent, the pastor, the Christian friend could open it for you, but this is the one thing you have to do for yourself. Choose to open the door of your heart and let the king of glory in. Now, Jesus isn't just standing at your porch. He's also knocking Sometimes people come over to our house and they drop in, but they didn't call or text first. So they just like knock on the door really lightly and we don't hear them. And we're like, was that that someone there? Also, our doorbell doesn't work. So that doesn't help y'all out any. If you come over, don't ring it. (laughs) But you can know for sure that Jesus is coming over. He's already here. He's going to knock with authority He's gonna knock with urgency. He's got something to give you and he knows that you need it. The second point today is that Jesus is speaking. He is passionately pursuing you. So maybe on the off chance you didn't hear Jesus knocking and you didn't know that he was there. But then what do people do? They text or they call and they're like, hey, I'm here, can I come in? I'm out front. (laughs) So Jesus is gonna speak now. And he says, here I am. Many times people feel that it's hard to find God, but we don't see that being the case if he's in plain sight at your front door and saying, here I am, like what the scripture just told us. We get a little whiny and we say, where are you, God? I can't see you. I can't hear you. I can't feel you. But he's in your word. Here I am. He's in your pressing in, taking the extra time to wait on him in the morning or in the evening before you go run off to work or before you get in bed. He leads you by the spirit and he's saying, here I am. He's present in your praise and worship. The peace of his presence overwhelms you. And he says, here I am right now. You may be feeling the presence of God coming near to you. And I do believe that there are people in this room that are experiencing that. You're experiencing the sense of unfamiliarity, but there's peace and joy that are also there in your heart. Today, God is drawing the hearts of those in the room that don't know him or maybe have just shut the door on their relationship with Jesus. You are hearing with spiritual ears John 6, says, no one can come to the father unless the father who sent me draws him. And the father is drawing you today. Opening the door is the next step. 
You must open the door and invite him in. He is requiring your participation. Now, when Noe and I go out sometimes and leave our kids alone at the house because we can do that now because they're old enough, <laughs> we tell the kids, don't open the door. And they have, well, they have a couple rules. Like everyone's in charge of themselves, but if there's an emergency, Sam's in charge. <laughs> and the other rule is you don't open the door for anyone. It was so funny whenever we first would start leaving the kids at home and my mom or my dad or uh, Noe's mom would come by and uh, they would be like, don't open the door for me. <laughs> and I was like, that was my dad, just in case. That was not the moms, okay? Um, but uh, <laughs> he's like, they can see my truck. They know I'm here. I'm their papa. They can open the door for me. But they had their rule. You don't open the door for anyone. And also, I told, we always told them, everyone who needs to get into this house has keys. So if they need to be here and they need to get in and they want to be in, they can just use their key and unlock the door. It's no problem. So sometimes we'll come home and I don't do it. Uh, because the Bible says fathers don't exasperate your children, don't provoke them, right? But no, he does it. I don't do it. He'll come home. That's a dad. That's a dad for you. He comes home and he'll knock on the door and he'll just test them, just gonna test them, see if they're gonna obey our instruction or if they're gonna open the door or not. And most of the time they don't open the door. They know. They know what they're doing. But there is a phrase that Noe will say. It's the only thing that gets them to open the door. And it's this, open the door, it's your dad. Now this works because they hear Noe's voice every day and they know his voice. He is their father and they know their father's voice. Some of you don't know the voice of God today and the person knocking and speaking out makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Will you choose to open the door or are you going to keep it closed? It's important to respond while Jesus is there and you are safe here in the council of so many other people who have opened the door and can confirm that you are hearing the voice of your father today. If you open the door today, let someone know that you're doing it and then hear him out. Read his words. That's how you're gonna know what he's saying and get to know his voice better, get to know him better so that you can always recognize his voice. Even the Bible doesn't have something like super specific to say to all your super specific situations that you're ever gonna encounter in your life, but it will give you such an abundance of guidance that you will be able to make righteous and wise decisions. So what is it that Jesus is saying today? First of all, he's saying, hey, my dad sent me by to check on you. John 14, six and seven says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him because Jesus is here today. Jesus is saying, if you let me in, we'll sit down and we'll share a meal and we'll become friends. There was one time after many of Jesus's followers got offended at his teaching, that he, at a teaching he had done. And he told the 12, his special 12 disciples, he said, are you guys gonna turn away too? And Simon Peter answered for all of them. 
And he says in John 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Once you really know Jesus, like the 12 did, you won't want to go back to the way things were. Even if, like the 12, you don't understand everything. Even if, like the 12, you don't have it all figured out in the end. You'll never want to go back to the way things were. Become his friend. The third thing Jesus is saying today is I will be with you and you will be with me. We can be reunited to a loving relationship with our creator. First Timothy 2.6 that we read at the very beginning of the message today said that Jesus was a ransom. Now a ransom is a payment for the release of a prisoner. You pay a ransom for something that actually belongs with you. You belonged to God. Sin took you captive. Jesus paid the ransom to get you back. And Jesus longs to hear you say something this morning too. And it's please come in. Don't forget that our race is rigged In our primary scripture passage from Revelations, Jesus said, I conquered. Jesus already won and you can join the winning team. If you have never opened the door of your heart and let Jesus in, today is the day. There's still time to open the door and see who's knocking. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.